0: You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Super Coach all season long.
1: Please welcome your hosts, Whisperer and Brew. Third time is the charm. As the YouTube viewers can see, we have a new layout. Um, still tinkering with this one for the start of the season, but it was the night before Christmas Brew. Teamless Tuesday at time of recording is only 23 and a half hours away. Uh mate, it's gonna be absolute carnage between four o'clock and seven when the first show we're doing tomorrow is going live. Um for anyone watching on YouTube, awesome hello. Seven PM Tuesday night will be the very first episode of the live stream. Uh for all the audio listeners, it should be available five AM Wednesday morning. So
0: don't stress if you miss it. Mate, how are we? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. I'm I'm super excited. We're we're that close. There's a there's a buzz in the air. You know, everyone I know is starting to get the, the tingles and starting to say, you know, TLT, it, it's here. It's almost here. I've got to get my side done. And, yeah, I've made a few changes again, as always, flip-flop and turncoat styles. That's so, us. Good time. Mate,
1: we're here to talk uh, about the cheapies, probably the most popular podcast, and there's only one better-fitting intro for this one, I feel. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Yes, Uh cheapies. Probably the most crucial part of our sides. There's always a magic number people want to throw around about how many we need, where we need to spend the money, where the guns need to be, where the cheapies need to be. This year, mate, seems to be center wing. We have a plethora of them. half Halfback, we have a fair few. And 5.8 is pretty, pretty slim. Just uh, giving a quick eyeball. uh we've, there's plenty to talk about. And I think today, what we will do is, we all know the cheapies down the line, Billy Smith, Joseph Sawali, the likes, Sean Bloor, uh, look, he, he went down, but he was someone for, for the future. But I reckon we touch on the cheapies that people need to be targeting for round one. The ones that we think are, will, be, will be getting a spot in your round one sides and potentially hold, haven't really listed them in terms of like preference, but... You guys that have heard the podcast or preseason would have known sort of how Brew and I see a lot of these guys and their stocks in the sides. There's been a couple that have leapfrogged, a couple that have fallen. Um, but I reckon I reckon there's there's no better way to kick into it with, with Hooker. Brewski, I've still got Chris Randall as number one. Um, I've got Billy Walters here as well and Aaron Clark. But for me, it's pretty hard to pass up uh, Chris Randall in terms of like just sheer cash-generating cheapy hookers. We know he's locked in for a start for, what, 10, 10 11 weeks with Jaden Brayley out. And then, obviously, when, when Browles comes back, he's an easy flick. He's not going gonna to be one of those awkward guys that's going to be on the bench and plodding along easy. Like, there's a line in the sand with Randall. We know when to get rid of him.
0: Yeah, I think Randall's the standout number one choice. The only reason I think you would go Corey Pakes is if you really needed to squeeze the cash and it was for the benefit of your squad, I don't mind doing it. I've been looking at it in a few instances where I need to chop some cash and there's another player I really want. And Chris Randall's currently not in my 17. Therefore he's outside the points that I really care about in that instance, I might consider pakes, but Randall, Randall should be the top guy. His numbers last season, well, they're a little bit confusing to read really. Uh, He played 73 minutes in one game for just 30 points. He had 32 in base and obviously had a bit of negatives. Um, He then played 77 minutes for an 81 and he had 54 in base. Everything else, it's not really a sample size you can use because the minutes weren't there. So we've got a a really good game. We've got a really poor game. Where he's going to fall, I think he's pretty much right in the middle. I discussed on the last podcast who I thought he was a 45, 50-point player you thought that maybe he was about a 55-point player. I think one of us will be right. I don't think he's going to be a 60-average hooker. I don't think he's going to be a 30-point bum either. So basically, his his job is maybe to fill a hole for you round one if you're a Harry Grant truther. Otherwise, he's there just to make you some cash, and he'll definitely do that. He should push into the mid-450s, I reckon, price-wise.
1: Yeah, as it stands now, I'm still undecided on my hooker situation, whether I take the 40K and go to Marnie or I just go Grant. But Randall will be scoring points for me around one regardless. Um, and then I'll probably flick him to just be a non-scoring reserve after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, 245K. There, There isn't much more to say, hey, let's have the Pakes slash Walters debate because the more it happens, I feel like Pakes is, is 14 with Randall, not Randall, with Pakes as the 14 and Billy Walters will start in the six. And I just feel like Randall, uh, not Randall. Oh, I'm out of it. I feel like Pakes is becoming more and more of a, I, I won't say trap because when he's named at 14, people shouldn't start with him, but his stocks are, are dwindling in my eyes. I feel like they just go to Turpin. I, I'd listened to an interview with Billy Walters um, that TK did from talking league. And it was very much central around Turpin and him and, and Reynolds and that combination. And, and Pakes has got a bit of a mention, but nowhere near as much as what Turpin did, which leads me to believe that they're going to go with a more defensive nine rather than an attacking nine, which leads me to believe they're going to go with Turpin, I guess, starting round one.
0: Yeah, look, it's a mess up there. I don't think Brisbane know their hats from their assholes at the moment. The rumour is, is that it's Pake's nine. I believe it's Turpin's job as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Pake's named at nine because it's it's such a mess up there, I don't think. Old Kevy knows what he's doing half the time. I don't think Billy Waters will be the sixth myself. I think they'll go in a different direction. I should note that Corey Pakes is rumoured to have COVID at the moment, so he might take himself out via that. Uh, but that is unconfirmed at this stage. Look, if he's a starting hooker at 205 with position, that is very hard to ignore. But it's a really hard one to assess. Do we have faith in Brisbane that if he gets the crack well, round one that he's still there in round five? I don't know. I don't know, mate.
1: The last hooker I've got, who's probably got the most security long-term out of any of these guys is Aaron Clark, but he's probably got the, 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 the smallest ceiling. Is that fair to say? Uh,
0: yeah, I would say so. I I don't think he has a, a massive ceiling.
1: Yeah. Uh, he's probably locked in longest term, uh, for the starting role. I mean, Justin Holbrook came out and backed him in December. So that says a lot about, I guess you as a person, if your coaches is, is giving you the Jersey so far into like so far out of the season. Um, so Clark is there. He's 300 K. He's the most expensive out of the lot. Probably won't go off for your 75, 80 points, which someone like a Randall could do if he gets an attacking stat with the tackles that he makes Minute. or, or pakes with the, with his hacking upside that he has. Um, but I guess if you're, if you're safer, then it's hard to, hard to talk you out of Clark. If he gets 55 minutes a game.
0: Well, that's the question, isn't it? Because you've got Will Smith. He's going to be on the bench. I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah, so it's him, just him the, tenor, him does he play 60 minutes or does he play 55 minutes? And is the 65K, I think it is 60K roughly, extra that you're paying on top of Randall? Is it really worth it? Yeah. I think Randall's probably a safer option. So just bank the 60K. That's kind of my opinion on this matter.
1: For the, for the 60K, the points difference won't be too too different and then yeah I think the the issue Holbrook will have is is it, is it Tanner Boyd or is it Will Smith both of them will cover through the middle you would expect I don't think Clark played any minutes regardless of who the 14 is so he is he is the safest starting option long term but yeah it's still it's still very hard to pass up Randall and, and the ownership number suggests that I think he is the highest owned hooker and the highest owned 60, hooker for a reason
0: 60k does go a long way you think about it that's the difference between having Luciano Lailua or having Brendan Smith or Cam Murray hmm and there's levels there. So 60K doesn't sound like a lot, but it can go a long way. Front row
1: forward. Front row forward early in the preseason shaped up to be a pretty difficult position to try and work out. A couple of guys that have... Not, I'm not too sure whether they've boosted in their coach's eyes or if it's just sort of Twitter stocks or whatever, but I've got four guys here with the potential of the fifth. Um, we'll, we'll quickly touch over Tepai Maroa. You and I both said in the podcast a couple of days ago, we put the red line through him straight away. Not... Getting enough minutes in the trials to really warrant anything, didn't push for a start in the reserve grade side, didn't push for a bench spot in the first grade side. So it's really hard to see Tapa Moroa being a viable option, still owned by like 40% of teams, which you would expect to drop down tomorrow afternoon. But just wanted to note there, I've put Jermaine Schnoor-Brown, I think everyone knows I am the leading ticket holder on the, the JTB hype train. Hopefully he gets a start. Uh, realistic expectations from him, 40 41 minutes a game, 40, 41 points a game, 280K. I will take that as my second front row forward early on. What are you thinking with JTB? Obviously, um, Dean Young has come out and said that Lolo will be starting at 13, which pushes Cotter out. And then you'd think the rotation for front row forward lies between Tenor Brown, Cohen Hess, and Jordan McLean. And obviously the, the quotes that uh, Todd Payton made about just how big of a motor that Tenor Brown has, how much he rates him the fact that he headhunted him from the Warriors as well. I just see him getting the nod over someone like a Jordan McLean, who's probably, not probably, on, on the downhill in his career.
0: Yeah, and these guys are all playing for their jerseys too, I think you'll find. It was a very poor season last season. They're the kind of side that could come last this year. They could come ninth. It could come eighth. We we don't really know what to expect, and I think they are playing for jumpers. So I think there's going to be fair opportunity. And like you said, some players I think are on the downward slide. I think their careers are starting to windle off. I think Cohen Hess is probably another one. I know he's not that old, but you know I feel like best, he is put, on best put behind down. him. Yeah. Um, so I don't mind it, and I do tend to agree. I do feel like he's not going to get twenty minutes off the bench. There obviously is that risk. He could get named in the 15 and and, and come on and play 2025. 20, and you've got him in your starting front row position and bang, he he hurts you bad. There is a risk there. And I know when I've had sides that have JTB as the second front row forward, I've certainly trialed it whilst having Bullimore beside him as a safety net. That people have come back and said that, you know, you why are you giving away points? Well, if you're saving money there, you're using money elsewhere. And if you've got a stronger center, instead of saying center roulette. You might have a safe kind of centers and you're playing roulette in the forwards. Yeah. At least forwards have a more of a solid base, even in small minutes. That said, I still think myself that he is probably going to get somewhere between 35 and 45 minutes. And I think that will increase as the season goes on. But to start the season, they're the areas that I see him at given. We know he can score at one at 1.2 PPM. He should be in for 40, 45. And I think you can cop that, you know, especially early rounds. You'll find some players do start start the first one to two rounds slow, even if they're guns and people will start panicking and asking, do they sell? And come rounds three and four, they'll be banging out eighties or tons and people will be going, shit, what I sell that guy. So I don't, I don't mind JTB at all.
1: Yeah, so I think he had a downward year last year. Only a zero point eight nine ppm for front row forward, which isn't fantastic. But you expect that to bounce back with the backing of the coach and obviously trying to get some more stability in that starting lineup. Jordan McLean averaged forty two points a game, forty two minutes a game last year. Sorry, and I really expect him to take that rotation um, and starting up front with with Cohen Hess and JTB. Look, yeah, if if the coach is backing his big minutes, then he can definitely play fifty upwards thereof. So. Yeah, I think, I think he's definitely one, one to monitor. Um, the situation with him in my side, if he doesn't start, I haven't bought Bullymore, so it's a very, very easy swap to Bullymore. The thing with Bullymore is that you're, uh, you're basically... You're probably going to get more points for the first two weeks out of him and JTB. No, I'm not doubting that at all. But then what happens week three onwards if Ola Kowatu comes back early or Schuster comes back, Bullymore to the bench, plays 25... It's so a sort of a catch-22. Do you chase the points early or do you go a safer route into Ch- North Brown if he is name to start? Could you expect he holds it for at least a month, six weeks minimum until Peyton starts swinging the axe? Um, mate, talk, talk to me about Max King.
0: Oh, look, Max King, I just think it's that for Max King is older than what you think, right? And I think it's make-or-break time for Max King. I think this is probably going to be one of the last contracts he gets before he says he has to go overseas, So the Bulldogs have faith in him. They like him. They brought him out of a Melbourne system, which is a great system to come from. He's typically about a 0.91 PPM type guy. Previously in seasons past, so not the last year or two, I think it was the two seasons prior to that when he actually did get some minutes, he was getting about 42 minutes a game. He was averaging 38 or 40. I think he can improve on that given that, you know, he seems to have come alive a little bit, uh, uh, since joining the Bulldogs, but he needs the opportunity. So I'm willing to give him an opportunity in my side. If he's named in the 17, I have faith in him. I'm hoping he can push that up to say 1.1, a typical front row forward type PPM. Excuse me. If he gets 40 minutes, I can see him being a, a 40 to 45 type goal, a little bit like say Totola was a few years ago when he came onto the scene.
1: Yeah, so Max King, twenty five years old, entering this season. Twenty four now, but he'll be twenty five uh, in May. So, yeah, no spring chicken. Um, you think of Max King as that kid from the from the Storm, mm. who was a booming rookie. But yeah, coming in twenty five, which I think is a good age for for a front row forward. Your body sort of filled out a little bit, a little bit more mature as well. I mean, he did himself no favors. Sorry, he didn't do himself any wrongdoings in the trials either. Like he played phenomenally in that first trial. Obviously, it's very hard to back up the performance in the second trial, but still did a serviceable job off the bench. And that's all we're, we're wanting. Um, I think if you're looking at 180K front row forward, people are so fixated on this idea that they have to start. But at 180K, if he's playing 30 minutes off the bench, if he scores me 38, 40 points, sick. Like, that's that's awesome. Like, he'll make yeah. some money and we'll, and we'll move him on. So if he just gets a start uh, off the bench... And I think he, I think David, David Fafita, God, if he him at 200k, it'd be handy. But Andrew Fafita at 205k, I think he falls very similar into the bracket of a max king, coming off the bench. It's risky with Fafita. We know that the talent's there. I mean, we saw he, he's a super coach gun of the past. Uh, him and Ryan James have the highest scores for a front row forward with about 150 points. We know that he can score. We've he's got the ceiling, but he's made of glass. We've we've got to get through a season with Fafita. He does this every year. He looks fantastic in the trials and then comes out and falls apart in four weeks. I just think the prospect is too much to pass up at 205K with how limited front row forward is. And if he does get a bench spot, then awesome. Like you'd expect it's between him, Franklin Pelle, and Aiden Tolman. Worst case for Supercoach is it's Aiden Tolman, who's priced at, I think, high 400s, early fives. I'd have to look. But that'd be the worst thing for Supercoaches. But hopefully Fafita, his status at the club... Uh, the experience he can bring and, and just what he brings to a side is enough to get him over the line for us. Even if he gets same minutes as Max King, like even if it's 30, Fafita has a higher work rate than someone like a Max King. So even something like a 28 to 32 minutes a game could be could be ideal for him to make us a little bit of cash as well.
0: Yeah. What, what year is it? That's the soundbite that you needed. You needed what year is it from Jumanji because Andrew Fafita is 205k, guys. Uh, he's in my side obviously as you said he's he's had a rough few seasons he's had multiple leg injuries you know he was out he was he was overweight there's no no denying that he he had dropped off but he's in really good shape now he's been training hard he looks good he performed really well in the all-stars game played 46 minutes he had eight tackle busts 13 runs so he's still got it. And, you know, if he, if he gets 25 minutes off the bench, he could score you 40 points. He's got an offload in his game. He's that type of player. We've got injuries to Ken McInnes, Jack Williams, Wade Graham. So there's an opportunity there, and I'm quite confident he will be in the side round one, and he is in my side. As for your comment earlier in relation to you need 25 players that are starting, that's ludicrous. You know, you need... 20 players that are starting, and then you need a slow burn on some others. You need to make sure you maximize your 17s as much as you can. I don't believe in this, having a squad of 25 and spreading the money all over. It just ends up resulting in a multitude of trades. And by mid-season, you might have a great side, but you're too far behind.
1: Yeah, so a couple of guys off the bench is is never a bad thing. When you're looking at four or five nuffs, that's a different story. But these bench guys, different prospect to, to to enough. Especially if we can get them at near the enough price. Like, I'd much rather carry mm-hmm. Max King at 186k, getting me 35, 40 points, than carrying <laughs> Brennan Pia Core at the same price, who's not going to offer me anything. I'd much rather a slow burn in that situation. I think the thing with King and Fafida are, they're not guys that are going to be AE nightmares. I think you know what you're going to get from them. I think they're going to get you a solid 30 floor every week. Like, they're not going to be... They're not going to be uh, a typical bench utility. Fourteen that's going to come on similar to like a Blake Taft, for example, that come on and may only get five or six points. Like these forwards, you expect their minutes to stay somewhat consistent.
0: Yeah, you're not going to get a five out of them. You'll you'll just unless you'll be a, a twenty or a twenty-five. Yeah, unless yeah, unless true. happens at the start of the season can happen if you have a gun squad too. So just take it.
1: What are our thoughts on Josh King? Because For me, his stocks have kind of fallen now that Cheese is back a week early. Maybe he was going to be looked into the 13 jersey. Maybe he gets a bench spot. But I think he's nearly 280K, which is probably a tad too much to be spending on a bench guy.
0: Yeah, I haven't looked into King too greatly. I don't think he's going to be in the starting 13. And there's cheaper options for me elsewhere. So, to be honest with you, I've looked at Brown. I've looked at um, Bullimore, Max King, Andrew Fita. I've looked at all these guys. I haven't looked too much into Josh King. If, if he were to get named to start, then it would open my eyes. And on Tuesday, I'd do some research. But at this stage, I haven't looked too much into him because I just simply don't expect it to happen. I don't even know if he'll make the 17, to be honest with you.
1: Are there any other front row forwards you want to talk about that aren't named Ethan Bullymore or Jai Monaseya who are about to touch on in 2RFs? No. No. Okay, so let's get straight into 2RFs. I've listed Isaac Tago as, as a 2RF. And we'll see why, because of how deep center wing is with the, with the options that we'll get a run round one. So I've put Isaac Taggart. was probably the top prospect round four, for round one in the two RFs. Looks phenomenal in both trials, uh, despite getting spanked in the second trial against Parramatta. Still think he held his own, did a fantastic job. And that's all you can ask for from, from a guy that we expect to start. The question being, does he start on the right um, or does he start on the left with Brian Toto? Either way, I'm not too fussed. He's not a scoring option for me, so I'm happy to have him sit there and and burn cash. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy with Isaac Tago. I don't know much what what much more analysis we need on him.
0: Look, I won't go too in-depth. I've been, you know, riding his coattails all preseason. All I'll say is this. He's the complete package at centre. He's hard running, offloads, tackle busts. He's going to score and assist plenty of tries. He will be on the left-hand side. He's got dual status. He should be your absolute number one cheapy option. Whilst I... Anyone, any position, Taygo is number one. Get him in your side.
1: Whilst I undress live on the video format because I've got a jump on, I'm sweating my, my guts out. Can you tell us a little bit about Ethan Bullimore and sort of where you see him sitting? Because obviously the first two three weeks are going to be fantastic. 80 minutes we're going to be looking at, but then what are the prospects from him after that? Look,
0: I, Bullimore... I'd say he's probably in the 11 to 15 range when it comes to cheapies overall that we'll probably discuss today. He's a very talented player, but it's not his position. And that really worries me. What happens modern medicine and, and whatnot, some of these guys heal quick and they're ready to go quick. What if Olakowatu's good to go around three, for example, and you don't get any price rises or you get very minimal price rises and then Bullimore goes back to the bench. And I asked the question, if, if Bullimore didn't have dual status, would you really be chucking him in your side or are you just doing it because of the dual? Don't let the dual, you know, fuzzy up your thinking, I guess he, he can score at 1.1 or 1.2 points per minute, but he's been doing that coming off the bench and off the bench, you're always in short, sharp bursts. You always have a higher PPM when you're coming off the bench in, in 30, 35 minute stints. Or not even. Sometimes it's only fifteen to twenty minutes stints. If you're looking at an eighty-minute edge roll, I think his PPM will plummet. I think he'll be a zero point seven to zero point eight type PPM, which means that yeah, he might he might get say fifty to sixty a week without tries. But he could also be gonksies by round four to six, and you could find yourself in a position where he hasn't made a great deal of cash. He's two hundred k or three hundred k short of you know moving him up to. Angus or Cam or Cheese or whoever it is that you don't have in that position or you're going to find yourself going, I don't have a cheapie to downgrade him to. I'm going to have to sideways trade him, which again, you're just queuing up the trades. I would much rather go low, so go lower and cheaper or go high and just pick the guy that you want and take a cheapie elsewhere where there is plenty of options.
1: Yeah, I mean, for the extra money, you've got Ellie Katawa, you've got Jeremy Nana, you've got Harm Lukey, you've got Bo Fermo. Like, there's, there's guys at that 350, 380k, it's 100k more, which is a, is a fair jump, but I just prefer their stocks a little bit higher. In saying that, if Jermaine Cheneal-Brown isn't named, I will probably start with Moore, I've just got to run the gauntlet. But I think, do you think we get burnt? Do you think this is a Nico Hines situation, where he has got the spot in injury, he kills it, and then we look like we look like asshats because we haven't jumped on him and he's won the spot, or... Maybe something happens to Kieran Foran in the first two or three weeks. He goes down. Josh Schuster moves to six. There's there's a spot open on the left. The thing that worried me with Bullymore was, I think in the first trial, he played the entire first half, so 40 minutes, and he ended up on 40 points. But he had the try assist. He had the line break assist. And that's a pretty fair chunk of points for, for what he did. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he just scores like 45 points.
0: Point eighty minutes. Who's to say he even gets the jersey? We think he will, but yeah, Andrew Davy could get it.
1: Lawton Davy. Um, so there's there's, there's and no options.
0: one's no one's talking about Davy. Davy's a better prospect than Bullimore. If Davy was named on the edge, I'd jump straight on him. Yeah, but uh, 100%. I think Bullimore's going to be a disappointment and he's he's not Nico Hines. Unless he's David Favita, he's not going to burn anyone in my opinion. Yeah, he hasn't shown enough. He might the... make 100k and people will be like, "Yeah, you know, he's nearly 400k. Okay, cool, but how much of that trade cost you?" If he was locked in, if he was locked in for 8 weeks,
1: we don't have this conversation. But no, we he, don't. he he didn't We're show thinking. enough attacking flair to warrant the punt
0: on him like I don't want to run And the... they've got two hard games to start yeah, as well. Yeah. So, what happens if he's only there till round 4? And the first two games, he's banged out a 35 and a 40. And then maybe he gets a good score against the doggies and he gets 80. He's not going to make you too much cash. And you're just going to be in this position where I can't sell him. I haven't made enough money. He's just going to have to ride my bench and fizzle out until I can find an option to to flick him. And then we run the idea. I I don't want to be in that position.
1: You run the problem of him being at an awkward price at two. so this basically falls back to, to the issues that we had with him so early on at 280k at a bench option. Maybe the money's been made. Him starting at 280K is a very, very different prospect to him on the bench. And, and you and I have been open about this. We, we love him to start, but the issue that we have is how long is he going to have this start for? Right. I don't want to rag on him too much because he might even end up in my side if, if things don't go well with, with JTB. But, yeah, I think we have to temper our expectations ever so slightly when it comes to um, when it comes to Bullymore. Let's talk uh, Kelma Tualagi from the Tigers because... I mean, Luke Garner wasn't fit for the trials, so it kind of puts a cloud over his spot. But I feel like he played good enough in the two trials to to win that spot, and, and he offers much
0: more than what Garner does. And they need a future plan as well. They've got a certain edge back role going to the Cowboys as well. I would give him I think a I'll jersey. Stop, I'll
1: stop you there, mate. I think he's also off next year to Manly. <laughs>
0: Manly. He is off to Manly next year, but at the same time, you know, if you're the West Tigers and everyone thinks you're going to come last, surely you want to put the best field. Oh, yeah. If if Madge wants a job. I I, I personally think he's going to get named. Um, I've been really hesitant to to jump on this, Um, but at the moment, he's in my side.
1: He's not in my side, but I think he might be. I think he might become. Come 4 o'clock tomorrow. Just a slight interruption there. Um, we were talking on, on Tualagi and, yeah, look, he's not in my side now. Um, if we somehow get some mail on Luke Garner between now and round one and if he's not even in the 17 or, or whatever, if he's out of favour, then uh, I think I will probably move one of my 350K guys down to him and then I think I've got the cash to go JTB back up to for Fanula Blake. So hopefully he starts because then I can probably strengthen that front row forward a little bit there. Uh, and that'd be handy for obviously all of us to, to have a 250K to RF there with, with all the attacking outside in the world that he possessed in the trial. Hey, Jai Mamaseya, uh, another guy that possessed a fair bit of attacking upside in the trial. I don't have as high as hopes on him as someone like a Tuolagi. He ran a nice line in trial one, kind of got, not found out, but just, I don't think he had the game that he would have wanted to had in trial two, still performed well. Bench spot at best, I think he's competing with Barnett, Frizell, uh, Fitzgibbon. Like that, they're, they're three pretty quality back rowers there. He can play in the front row, but then you've got the the Saifidi boys, you've got Brody Jones, you've got uh, David Clemmer. So there is a, a fair bit of stock there, like in in the in the middles and the edges for for Momosie to not even crack a starting spot, but to even crack a bench spot.
0: Yeah, he hasn't been in my sides because I don't see where he fits. I, he's a talented youngster. He actually ruptured his Achilles in 2021, and he's coming back from that as well, which we know is not a not the easiest injury to return from. He's he's moved from his fra- favoured prop position into onto the edge, into the second row for Newcastle. Whether or not that will find him a spot potentially down the line, I think he could become a big point of difference at some point in time. He's very talented. He, again, he he's a Melbourne junior. He comes from the Melbourne system, so. There's talent there, but I just don't think he's going to be playing NRL football anytime soon, to be honest.
1: No, no do I. Um, three guys who I'm going to put in the weird, don't know why they're so owned percentage category. Jack Howarth, Ben Trevojevic, and Shannon Harris. Are people just looking <laughs> at these as bottom dollar people with a bit of jewel? Obviously, Jack Howarth is 2 RF only, but like Burbo and, and Harris, are people just looking at them because they're dual and picking them? I don't... I don't see any any way that, that they... Burbo maybe gets the 17 and maybe plays 20 minutes when he's fit. But,
0: like... But Burbo had, will make his way into the 17, I believe. I don't think they've re-signed the kid not to. So I think down the line, Burbo will play. Obviously, it's unfortunate that he's got an injury. But I think he is in the top 17. Um, Shannon Harris, is he's your new dual nuff. I can't remember who the Bulldogs guy was. Jared the Anderson. Jared oh Anderson, that's all he is. He's bottom dollar. He's. I, I myself have had him in there at times just so I could, if I've got Targo um, up in the second row, there's been a few times where I've just put Harris in, so I've got some dual flex for trades. Uh, in terms of Haworth, Horworth's actually a center. Uh, he's not a second rower as people think that he is. Um, there is plans down in Melbourne for him to, to be a pathway center for them, but not to start the year. I've only got minimal data on him. He's got minimal attacking stats. I think he's too green for the NRL at the moment. I don't expect to see him anytime soon either. Outside of, say, origin-type period, he might get a crack or injury.
1: Yeah, very interesting. In the Storm trial, Ryan Hoffman commented on the exiting experience guys in the Bromish Brothers and uh Gafusi and how there's going to be some edge spots opening up. And the names that he mentioned were not Jack Howarth. So they're definitely seeing him as a centre uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I don't really see him getting many many minutes at the Storm. At best, I mean, if they see him as a centre, Remus Smith and Justin Ollum, obviously first choice, then you've got a couple of guys there that'll back up. You'd think Nick Meany could slot into the centres ahead of some like a Howard, so there's a fair bit. Sorry, someone's decided to start cutting their grass at three o'clock on a Monday afternoon. Um, so that's going to round out the two RFs. Halfback, look, we, we've already touched on Pakes, dual position, hooker, half, but if he doesn't get the start, then there's there's no point. And there's no point putting him in, in your halfback spot when we've got the guys like Lachlan Ilias, Brad Schneider, and hell, i even put Adam Kloon for 90k more above him considering the security that he's got. But let's touch on Lachlan Ilias. I think he's the most owned player and super Coach this year. For good reason, 205k, starting seven for Souths. Coaches giving him all the backing in the world. I don't really see a world where Blake Taft takes the spot off him for the first six weeks minimum. There's not really too much to consider here. It's... I guess it's the only thing you need to consider is you play him at half, you play him at five-eighth, and that's kind of the end of the story when it comes to Ilias.
0: Yeah, Ilias, uh, I've got Ilias as I think Tago number one. I think I've got Ilias as the number two cheapy option. You pretty much have to have to have him going through his numbers uh before he played NRL, so from the New South Wales Cup I think he played seven games uh, in his last season. He had four try assists, four line break assists, one try, nine goals, 64% conversion rate. So there's a fair chance Elias might actually kick goals uh, whilst Luttrell is out. I think he's going to be kind of a, a solid mid-ranger. So there's definitely money on there. He's going to have some good games. He'll probably have, you know, quite a few, say 35 to 40 type games, but there's definitely cash to be made there.
1: Yeah. I think he peaks at 430, 440. At, at his best, and, and I, can, I guess we can move on from there. Um, mate, let, you, you tell me on Brad Schneider because I know that you're a, a monster fan of his.
0: Yeah. So if Schneider was available all preseason, I actually would have had, um, Schneider above Ilias. I think Schneider is a better player than Lachlan Ilias. Uh, in eleven games that he played in the last New South Wales Cup season, he had four tries, three force dropouts, seventy-four percent conversion rate, seven tries, six line break assists, twenty-one tackles on average per game, one offload per game. Over the course of the season, he had three hundred and thirteen passes and a fifty-one average. Um, so those figures they're quite good. And and some players come to the NRL and they they go up a level because they're surrounded by good players and they're surrounded by these coaches that are ex ex players and they've got the best coaching staffs and they just rise and go to a new level. And I can see Schneider doing that. Uh, I really, I'm quite confident on him. Initially I was very, no, I'm not doing it because he's only available in the seven and at that stage I didn't want to have to choose between Walker and Hines. He's kind of forced my hand. I'm definitely going to take him. I think he could be a better cash cow than Lockie Elias. So for bottom dollar, or basically bottom dollar, 188 k sign me up.
1: Yeah, I was also standoffish to start with. And then Ricky came out and said that he's basically wanting to go youth. Um, Found out that Sam Walker, Sam Walker, Sam Williams isn't injured. He's just sort of lower on the depth charts, which is like awesome to hear for, for Schneider stocks. I do think he'll be under pressure if they, if, if they don't perform well. Um, but at 180k, if he's kicking goals, I mean, it's just a, a price too good to pass up, isn't it? It's forced my hand a little bit because I've had to move Ilias down to 5.8, which has mean I've only got sort of two premium halves when I, when I wanted three. Um, but yeah, I can use the money elsewhere and, and free up free up cash. I've I've included Adam Clune here. The the interest level is not as high as the other guys, but at 290k, I mean, he's locked into the seven. I I don't really see him losing it. So similar to to Aaron Clark, if you're just looking for stability and you don't want to waste a trade on your sort of backup pieces, I think Clune could make some money as well. Like I think there's definitely money, money making chances there.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think you know you're giving up a hundred eighty k head start cash wise if you take him over Schneider or Ilias. But I think of the three. Clunes probably more likely to have the job for the season than the other two that we mentioned. Obviously Schneider, we know is filling in for Fogarty. Elias is being told that he's the man to take over at the seven, but we all know that results, it's a results driven game. and, And, you know, if they're two and eight to start the season, people are going to start saying, we need to drop Elias. We need to give TAFE an opportunity. We need to give this person an opportunity. So... I, I like the Clune decision if you're a, a safer player and you're a little bit worried about these guys falling out and maybe not being available come origin period or, or maybe not making the cash that you wanted them to. I think Clune is a very safe option. He's not for me. I will take every dollar that I can get when it comes to cows so I can maximise on how many guns I can carry, but I don't hate the option at all. Yeah, you and I are more risk takers, but you can definitely see it well.
1: Like if someone shows me their side with Clune. Uh, I'm not going to talk down on it because you can see the logic behind it. He'll be there all year. You won't need to waste a trade. So I understand it. 5-8th, I probably should have moved Ilias down here because apart from Talatown Moan, there is sweet FA to talk about. I mean, Billy Walters, maybe. But apart from that, like there is there is nothing at 5-8th. Yeah,
0: the only person I had, well, I, I am playing... Ilias at 5.8, so yeah, I've included him as, as 5.8 on my list. But, yeah, the only options I think that there are are Amoné and I think I had Taff in the 7, but Taff's not really an option. I think he's going to play 14 and be a little bit of a trap. But Amone's he's certainly capable, to be honest with you. You know, if we focus on, say, the final three games of last season, and he did play 80 minutes in these games in the half, he had scores of 42, 41, and 76, and an average of 25 base per game. They're not bad figures for, for 284K. You know, if if you plug that into your centers and you know that their floor is going to be about 40, let's say, maybe it might be a little bit low. But that's not too bad. It's not like Jason Saab and Charlie Staines last season where you were getting an eight sometimes not even an eight, and it just really, well, first of all, it really pisses you off, but then it really ruins your round, kind of, and you just can't wait to get rid of him. I don't think Amani's going to do that. I also think he has the attacking upside. He's shown a lot of potential. He's got a handy jewel. I quite like him. I've got, I've got him in my top 10 cheapies yeah. for this season. Yeah,
1: as do I. I don't think he's going to go on runs, similar to something like a Sam Walker in the halves last year. I think he'll be... Safer. Um, he has a nice attacking game. He's friendly. He looked to be energetic in the, tri- the trial. So that's all you can ask for. If you're running a gun five eighth, there's no need to really put the reserve on him. And yeah, at centre wing, there's there's worse options to be to be putting him in. As I said, I included Ilias. We've touched on him. We've, I've included Walters. We also sort of touched on him in the in the hooker preview. Uh, centre wings. I've got about 20 names here. So I'm just going to rattle through a couple of them. Um, we'll go. I guess least likely to start to most likely. Um, Tower cooler from Manly. Looked good in the trials. Feel like he's similar to Saab. He's going to be very reliant on tackling stats. Uh, Vaella from the Warriors. He jabs the starting spot. He is bottom dollar, so that'd be fantastic. What is the long-term future of him looking like? I guess supercoach-wise, does he have the position sewn up? We'd have to look. Probably a guy that I'm happy to wait on for the first two weeks, see how he goes. And then I can always downgrade one of my one of my center wings who inevitably won't pan, pan out in round three to him before the price rise. Uh, a couple of other guys, Oliver Guildhart, James Roberts. Sorry, James Roberts. Robert. James Roberts from the Tigers. Yes, um, we've touched on both those Tigers centers in the trials and in the Tigers previews. They'll both start. Yeah, cool. One that I wanted to to mention to you though, Robert Jennings. Now, we know what he did at South. Fantastic. All reports are that he's trading on the wing. Over Staines, who's, who's sort of filling in at fullback, 220K. I mean,
0: if he starts, sign me up, surely. Yeah, look, we were talking about this on Twitter this morning, actually, because I hadn't heard too much about Rob Jennings. I had purely heard that Charlie Staines was getting that wing spot, and I had come to terms with that. So when I heard that... You know, apparently it was Rob Jennings' wing. I think Wacko's saying that it's Rob. Fox Sports is saying that it's Charlie Staines and we're just pretty much going to have to wait until tomorrow at 4 o'clock. I'd be trusting Wacko
1: over Fox Sports just just
0: quietly. If, if, uh, yeah, shout out to Fox Sports. Um, If he's in the side and he gets that right wing, then you absolutely sign me up. I I quite write both the younger Jennings brothers actually and if they can lock down a position the way, you know, that we saw last year in Melbourne. No problems whatsoever for me. I will definitely pick that up. I think he's two hundred and twenty nine K, which is a steal.
1: Yeah, well my own George Jennings and Robert Jennings will get both of them in. But in all seriousness, he's won the spot on Merit if he gets it, because we saw Talon May play in the trials. He doesn't look injured. Charlie stains definitely doesn't look injured. So he's won the spot on Merit, which is what we want to see. Like the only way he'd be he'd be losing that spot is because of his performance, not because of someone coming back from injury, which is perfect. So yeah, Rob Jennings, 220k on the the right hand side could be anything, um, and yeah, I'm happy to play him if he if he gets named. Okay, so a couple of other guys more prominent that we'll touch on. Uh, Cody Ramsey obviously has to get a shout out on this podcast, has to get a shout out by me. Um, looked like the greatest player of all time in the Charity Shield. Think he had a try, two line breaks, couple of tackle busts. I don't want to say it, but genuine option considering how good that left hand side looked at the Dragons.
0: If he nails down the, the left edge, which by all accounts, it looks like he has, and that looks to be their go-to side, then again, it's, if you're going to be paying 259 for a Sawali, then you should be paying 268 for a Ramsey. Ramsey's, Ramsey was touted to be a very special player. We obviously didn't see it last season. He burnt some people, my co-host included, and we've got a bit of a – Cody that's Ramsey me he's now, referring to
1: me days. that got burnt guys I don't know if I've ever told you this before but I actually bought Cody Ramsey last year I don't know if you've ever heard that one no,
0: but we definitely have in all seriousness like um, he, he looks bigger like
1: he just he just looks like he's put on size looks like he can get a few more post contact meters maybe I'm just basing all this off one trial but like I don't know I just like what I saw in that charity
0: shield I'm willing, I'm willing to back it for that price as you said If it turns out that he does it, then there's going to be someone you can downgrade to or someone you can slightly upgrade to. There's so many options at center that it'll work itself out. So I'm on Ramsey. I like that left edge. You know, I I like quite a few of the Dragons options this year to start. So sign me up.
1: I can't wait for me to have held him for about 11 rounds last year and scored a combined probably six points in 11 weeks. And I'm not going to own him this year. I can feel it, and then he'll average like 55, and I'm just going to kick myself because I wish I, <laughs> I probably went one year too early. But no, nah, look, hopefully the dragons just hopefully they they just look they look good because the dragons play some exciting footy at their best. You obviously got Ravalawa, Lomax on one side, and then you're going to have what Suli and, and Ramsay, and it's like that could be a very destructive two, three, four, five combo for for them. And then you've obviously got Hunt, Amone, and, and Sloane, so it's a, it's a very promising backline. So hopefully they can find it because. There's a couple of good Supercoach options there. I mean, if Mono clicks, obviously, Ramsey, good cheap price. Lomax is going to be a center-wing gun, I feel, this year. He's one of my big bounce-back candidates. So there's plenty of options in that back line for for the Dragons. And if they can click, it makes our life all the more easier. Um, Look, Jordan Piera, looks like he's won a a wing spot, but it's just a case of which wing spot. Another former Dragons player that has moved on, but... He's very similar to Brian Toto in the way he runs the ball back. Uh, I think the Broncos will look to use him quite heavily out of their own end. He can definitely get a tackle bust. Uh, good close to the line finisher. It's going to be hard for a lot of wingers to try and stop him one on one. 260K. What else are we saying about Jordan Pierre?
0: We've said plenty about Pierre. He's, he's in my side currently. I don't see why you wouldn't. He's been a, I think he was about a 460, 480K player a couple of seasons ago. His biggest problem has always been that he's got a bit of the Tevita Pan guys about him and he has brain explosions and gets exp- suspended. If he can clean that part up out of his game, there's definite cash to be made there and I'm on.
1: Let's talk the last two center wings I've listed down here. The two Parramatta boys, Will Panasini, Sean Russell. Looks like the Jermaine Isarco news has kind of cooled off a little bit, which is great for Sean Russell. Um, I don't really see Bally Simmonson moving over to the left, I think, You'd, you'd assume that they that Brad Arthur wouldn't want to tinker around; that he'd just want Russell to be there and keep the jersey warm until Sebo's back. I don't see why you'd move Simonson to the left, and then when Sebo's back, move Simonson back over to the right. So you'd think they'd just keep him on the right and play Sean Russell on the left.
0: Yeah, I believe so. I, I think that Russell's going to get the opportunity. I got to admit, I was worried a lot about Asako when that news yeah, started breaking. Like. But the fact that Asako's now rumored to be getting the fullback spot whilst Nia was out. That means for the next four to six weeks he should be playing fullback, which means that, you know, we only need two weeks on top of that and we get eight weeks of Sean Russell and that's enough. With yeah. their draw, that's enough. That will be cash. He will score plenty of tries over on that side and he's currently in my side as well. I've got I got both the Parramatta boys actually and if Jennings is named, I'll also have both the Penrith guys. You're talking about a couple of clubs that could potentially finish in the top four to have cheapies from those clubs in a back line, we're blessed.
1: Yeah, Kevin Nguama, Joseph Suwali, Billy Smith, uh, Will Panasini, Sean Russell, Isaac Tago, Rob Jennings. Like, there's just so many handcuffs that we can have here from these good sides, which is always, always good to see. I'd much rather spend 290k, like, I- I'm sure you'll admit this it, even though you own both of them, I'd, you'd much rather spend 290k on a strike-sided winger from Parramatta than 260k on the weaker side in someone like Cody Ramsey. So if you're choosing between the two, then you're obviously going to lean towards Russell, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, Will Penasini, you and I have touched on him plenty of times this, this podcast, this preseason, but good base should attack a lot better. We've, saw, we've seen the Parramatta halves in that trial work well on both sides of the field. Gutho looks to be running the ball quite well, and you'd think that just spells good things for um, for Will Penasini. I know that super coach-wise, I wasn't keen for, for Ryan Madison to be playing 13, but just from an NRL standpoint, Parramatta looked a lot more... Sort of open and free flowing with him at 13, which could just provide great things for the six, seven, three, four, and two and five.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. I think Penasini will get quite a bit uh, in the attacking stack column this year as well. I think he links really well with Gutherson. You know, we, ha- we haven't seen it yet. They haven't played too much footy, but I believe there's, there could be a few inside balls that go in Moses's way as well. I'm really high on Penasini, and he has not left my side all preseason.
1: Yeah, one of the few that I don't think I've, I've ever looked at taking out, even though a poor trial in round one, or a poor trial in week one had me questioning. But then, yeah, look, Parramatta just looked electric and Panasini stayed right there put. It's going to run at the centres. fullbacks backs, far out. I've got two. I'm not looking at either but of none. them. I've got two. I've got Blake Taft because he'll start round one, but don't go there. I've got Xavier Savage, who should probably start on the wing with Jordan, wrapping her out. Wouldn't go there either. Brew and I have said this countless times. Fullback is not somewhere where you skimp out this year. Um, yeah, you, you guys know we're running Pap and, Pap and Teddy. Uh, if they are both fit round one, if not, we're going to run Teddy and Gutho. The, uh, Brew and I have been very, very vocal about that. And, and our stands won't change between now and, the, and Tuesday.
0: Yeah, fullback I, I'm not concerned with, as, as you said. If Papenthausen's not named, I'm positive he will be named. But if he's not named, then I'll just go to Anna Gutherson, who we know will be named. Right, just before we, we go for today, there is a few names that I wanted to, to just briefly uh, run through. I'm not giving any data or anything like that on these players. But um, there's a few guys that if you're going, say, enough route, or you're going a route where you want a player that you think might play at some stage, the names I've got there is Josh Cook. Uh, from the Dogs, I can see him winning at least a 14, if not a starting nine jersey at some point during the season. I think Wishart down in Melbourne, you could see some time over the origin periods. I had Teppo Moroa in this boat. If he doesn't get in the initial 17, I think you'll find that he does play some time over origin. Haworth and Momasea, we've already spoken about. Uh, Gildart, I don't have him as an NPR, but I've got him as an avoid. And I've only got him as an avoid because I think there's so many better options at a similar price from better clubs. And the final three is Isaiah Paul Alamati, and Tavita Kula. Um, I think all of those guys will play at some point during the season. So if you go in the NPR route, I'd be targeting those guys.
1: Also, just before we go, I don't actually think we've promoted the Dual Position Podcast League on the podcast yet. I'll make a I'll make a post on it tonight to get some more eyes on it. But for any of you guys that want to join the podcast exclusive league, the league code, get your pens ready, is six one nine. Shout out to Rey Mysterio, six one nine four nine seven. So make sure you join that one. Um Bru and I will be there. And if you beat us, then we will give you a very solid pat on the back. But, yeah, that's sort of just podcast listeners exclusive. So get in there, um, try and, and take us on, um, whatever the the other guys say. But, yeah, we'll be there. Um, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this will, will get in there. Hopefully we, we can get the numbers up on that one and uh, and we'll, we'll go from there. Mate, this is it. I, I keep saying thank you after every podcast, but thank you very much. This is the final one, the final pre-season podcast. 7 p.m. Tuesday, the 8th of March, will be the very first episode of the regular season. Plenty of segments. Um, tomorrow might be a little bit not slim on content because we don't really have a lot to break down, but I will be revealing our final teams. We'll also be doing our best captains for the week. I'll also be doing the big talking points from Teamless Tuesday that just happened, and then moving forward as well. We'll obviously be talking about I's trades moving forward, sort of week in, week out. We'll also be doing our high-stake hot takes, I think that's what I'm going to call it. I'd love to be able to call it shit takes, but that's just a sponsor repellent. So high stake hot takes, I think we'll do that. Uh, obviously, like I said, captains. We'll do buy holes and sells every week. We'll do our big talking points. And, and then Sundays, mate. Sundays, I'm very keen for as well. we'll be our be around wrap-up. So we'll be doing, breaking down everything that we've just seen from from the week of footy. We'll be doing full credit to the boys. So we'll be giving a big shout out to a couple of the players that we liked from the week. Uh, Sinbind and send-offs. So we'll be, we'll be absolutely slamming some guys who didn't do too well for us. And we'll be doing a Hall of Fame. So Brew and I will be nominating our favourite moment from the week, whether it be uh, Curtis Scott and Dylan Walker punching on uh, from many, many years ago, or it be uh, a front row forward doing a chip and chase. Whatever it might be that takes Brew and I's fancy, we'll, we'll be putting them in the Hall of Fame. We'll be letting you guys vote for those, and uh, we'll see who can who can get the most entrance at the end of the year. But I'm very, very excited for the, for the live podcast version of this. Brew goes to bed at about 6 o'clock every night, so... I'll be keeping him up twice a week, which will always be fun. And for you guys that also have nothing better to do on a Thursday, the NRL Don and myself will be doing the kickoff countdown. So I think we'll be doing that one at 7pm on a Thursday. We'll be answering all your trade questions live on YouTube here. So come hang out with Donnie and I. Uh, any trade questions you guys have, any predictions you guys have, come hang with us on a Thursday. Uh, I wanted to give, I wanted to at least give Brew a couple of nights early rest um, and, and get him primed up for, for Sunday. So... Yeah, very, very keen, mate. I'm very excited for the projects that we have this year. All the new graphics have been made. You've seen the ones that I've done. So plenty to, to unwind and and I'm just, I'm excited to see footy here back. Yeah, we can
0: breathe, mate. We've finally, finally. season content has, has been a lot of time and a lot of effort that's gone into it. Um, for those people thinking that I'm a really old man, I actually get up really, really early to go to work. saying Josh is just being a shit stirrer, but yes, I do go to bed quite early. I go to bed at eight o'clock.
1: <laughs> but you, I you also you also, the kids, you also have it's kids. You also have kids as
0: well, which I don't know the,
1: the the beauty of. You will, you will one day, my friend. You wait. So, mate, the first podcast we did, Jesus, I want to say it was sort of mid mid December. No, uh, no, it was earlier than that. The first podcast we did, the, t- the, the 10th of November, so we have been going for what, five months now? November, December, January, five months now in terms of uh, pre-season stuff and uh, we've got another six months of it to come.
0: Yep, very we, very we, are, we are a 24-7, 365 podcast, apparently.
1: Very excited. All right, guys, uh, thank you for listening to Brew and I Waffle. Hopefully the cheapies can get you more funds to free up to go buy your big guns, your Harry Grants, your Reed Marnies, your, your Payne Haases, your Crichtons, you know, the likes, the Fafitas of the world. You're going to need to get those guys, but you're also going to need to... To find the money to be able to afford them, so the cheapies under three hundred k. Brew and I've have, have given our favourites. There's a plethora of guys, mate. If we had another day, I'm sure we would have done a podcast three hundred k to four hundred and fifty because there's just as many as those this year. But I think that's that's a oh. bet that's a better room for for more pod categories. I think, but yeah, the the cheapies they're the staples of your side. Is it fair to say they're they're more important than the guns?
0: Well, oh, yeah, in some – like picking the right guns is important, but picking the right cheapies is where you make all your cash. That's going to be the difference between, you know, someone being able to afford Nathan Cleary down the line and, and not affording him or Turbo, for example. You get this right and you get the points out of your, whoever you're choosing in the half. So I'm going Walker, I'm going Teddy, I'm going Pappenhausen. If they all fire and my cheapies fire, bang, I'll have, a, I'll have a great side in no time because I'll be able to afford Turbo and Cleary. So you just got to get it right.
1: For the very, very last time this preseason, I have been the SC Whisperer. I have been joined by Bro C22. You have been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. We will see you on the other side after Teamless Tuesday, guys. Good luck, have fun, be safe, and remember, it's always just a game. Uh, I think a lot of us get swept up in having this rank as like a currency, as like a as a token of how good we are as a person. Supercoach is just a game. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a game for us to escape realities, and um, I see a lot of people take it take it to heart. So. It is nice to finish well. Um, I've had poor seasons. Bruce had poor seasons. We both had good seasons. But at, at the end of the day, it's just a game. And and whether I finish first this year or I finish hundred thousandth, we'll be back here next year. We'll be doing it all again. So I very much thank you guys for your time. Bruce, I'll let you sign us off.
0: A great game. Merry team us all. Merry TLT us guys. Have a good one. Bye.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinns.